TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, you got to hold it. Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew I, me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 422, and I am Libya, your host. And this week, we have returning guests. Hi, this is Greg from St. Louis. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Adnopolis. And this is Tom. I'm executive director of screenwriting at Azusa Pacific University. And Allison and I are broadcasting, or sorry, podcasting from WhedonCon. Woohoo! And WhedonCon, I hear, is fabulous. It was fabulous yesterday, I'll tell you that much. I am not there today, though. Uh, all right, let's start off with the news. Uh, first, I have that Enemy Within and The Red Line have both been canceled, though The Red Line was advertised as a miniseries anyway, so a limited miniseries, so I don't know why they're saying it's canceled. Mm. Um, Swamp Thing has been canceled after episode one, and Tom, would you like to give your, your uh, information about why it was canceled? Long story short, the state of North Carolina screwed up the production rebate. So instead of getting a $40 million rebate on the $80 million production cost, they're getting nothing. And oh once, Warner, once Warner's found that out, they like put the brakes and reduced the episode order from 13 to 10. And it's a shame because the show is terrific. Uh, we'll be talking about that later. All right. Uh, the Good Place is ending with next season, season four. And how are we going to survive without The Good Place? Where are we going to get our goodness and light from? Uh, but, I mean, at least they know ahead of time so they can have a satisfying ending. I'm happy about that. Yeah. Um, Dead to Me has been renewed for season two All right. on Netflix. Don't look for a season four because Netflix is three and you're out, man. Just so you know. <laughs> okay. Um, Luther has been renewed for fifth and final season. Luther? Did I say Luther? Ha! Lucifer, Lucifer. which is a totally different show. Sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, He doesn't look like Idris Elba at all. (laughs) (laughs) He's a white dude. Uh, He's still British, so there's that. Uh, This is true. Warner Media Streaming Service will will be available in the new year in 2020. Mm. They're the last well, the mostly last of the big streaming services. And guess what their price is going to be at launch? We're, we're already sitting down. $16. <laughs> That's more than yeah. Netflix. And, more than, yo. and Well, here's the thing. <laughs> they said the reason why their service is going to be so much is because they're extensive <laughs> library. And also, they are bundling... Uh, HBO and Cinemax in their streaming service. Yeah, but what if we already have HBO? Yeah, I'm, I'm just telling you. <laughs> just yeah, the telling... other reason is they're doing drugs. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just yeah, like, whatever. I was like sixteen dollars. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. 
And uh, they're smoking crack. I know, and I'm like, you guys are going to be the last ones too, because Disney's coming out for, and then Apple will be coming out before them. So you have two other streaming services that will be premiering before Warner Media. And M- Comcast, NBC, Uni plans for there to be free. Well, and that's uh, the thing is, mm-hmm. and what they said the reasoning behind such a high price is they're trying to dissuade people from cutting the cord. And I was like, too late, guys. Like, why? And I don't know why they think that having their service so high will keep people from cutting the cord. I was just, all that's going to do is keep people from getting your service. All, all I can say is this is the company that can't figure out how to make good DC movies consistently. <laughs> well, their logic hurts my head. I was like, you want us to do... So they were like, well, we're going to have HBO. I was like, there should be an option where we don't get HBO or Cinemax because I'm not interested in either one of those. Well, especially not Cinemax. Yep. I'm so... sure that DirecTV and the cable companies are just delighted that they're going to be losing you know, customers paying extra for HBO, too. It's right. crazy. I, I Anyway, so I read that article and was like, what the heck? All right, Tom, your news. Okay, Amazon has canceled Sneaky Pete after three seasons. Oh, sad. Apple, Apple TV Plus has dropped the trailer for, for All Mankind, the new Ron Moore alternate reality science fiction show. If you haven't seen it, it looks great. Well, Basically, how much is Apple TV going to cost? That's what I need to know. <laughs> how much you got? <laughs> Um, they still have, haven't advertised. They haven't told us what it's going to cost. Well, ha- have you seen the trailer for uh, for All Mankind? I have not. No. The Russians get to the moon first. Nice. That's why the space race continues. Right. So it looks great. It has a top-notch cast. Uh, get this. The CW expects advertising increases for primetime shows. The philosophy is there are so few people watching broadcast television that they can charge a premium go figure wait what wait i don't understand that say that again (laughs) that didn't make sense because because so few people are watching broadcast television that makes the viewers that are desirable does that mean a tv show is going to go down to like 35 minutes now well, this is C- this is CW, so they're not looking for the little ninety-year-old. Well, but those ladies. are the only ones who haven't really cut. Yeah, the I was like, this all the true. people on CW, the the teenagers are watching it off the app, but they're still commercials. Oh, but they're still commercials on the app, so they still have this commercials there. That's probably why they're paying. Uh, Fox has confirmed that Jussie Smollett is not returning to Empire for season six. It's last. Um, Netflix has also verified. Uh, the Ranch fourth season will be its final. That's the Ashton Kutcher comedy. Ugh, which nobody, I was going to say that nobody watched, but that's not true because they actually had really high ratings. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, sci-fi has canceled Disney, Deadly Class and Happy. I heard that. Who did I? Oh, I heard that from Allison. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was really surprised about Deadly. I, I didn't think too many people were watching Happy anymore, honestly. But I thought Deadly Class was getting good reviews, so it really surprises me that they... Uh, it, it, it turned into trash towards the end. I was a fan of Deadly Class until about midway through, and then it turned into a cluster. So. Yeah, well, I'm not talking about necessarily the quality of it, but it's it's just I thought that it was it was getting reasonably high ratings. So I I, I, I think they, the, the drop off. I think it was initially, and I think the drop off happened the same way I dropped off. I never finished it. I have no idea how the first season ended. So Libya killed the show. Yeah, me Thanks. personally, it was me. 
Uh, USA Network has confirmed that Patrick J. Adams will guest star in an arc on Suits Season 9. Um, Warner Media has given a straight-to-series order for Tokyo Vice with Ansel Elgort starring and director Daniel Destin Cretton attached. Uh, I don't get Ansel Elgort. I don't dislike the kid, but I just think he's weird looking. Um, but hey, you know, whatever. Some, they, people must know something I don't because Spielberg cast him as Tony in, in the unnecessary remake of West Side Story. Uh, finally, also from Warner Media, Elizabeth Banks is developing a series based on the Over My Dead Body podcast. Hmm. And that's the news. Nice. All righty. Uh, let's get in talking with the shows first. Uh, well, actually, let me make this announcement, which is that our podcast will be going from weekly to, is it bi-weekly? Bi-weekly. Bi-weekly. Plus uh, just for this summer until uh, the fall, because there's not, I don't think there's not enough content to warrant it every week. And one, we haven't quite gotten on that schedule yet, but when we do, you'll know. Uh, but let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about the season finale of Chernobyl. Um, and wow, that was a really, really powerful finale. I, it blew me away. I could not... Especially because the episode before was kind of okay. And this one was like, oh, this is why I love this show. Okay, I get it. Uh, Greg, your thoughts? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, because episode four was really kind of slow. And right. I understand why they really needed to tell that story of or they wanted to tell the story of, you know, of all the work that went into, you know, trying to make the area more safe um, because, you know, they had the whole dialogue um, when, um, uh, the, you know, the guy, uh, Sharon, Sharon, what the, the actor's name? Jared Harris? Jared Harris, sorry. His character. Yeah, I've forgotten. I think his name started with an L, and I can't remember. It's like not Lib. I'm blanking. Go ahead. Jared Harris is what I just called him through the whole thing. Yeah, Jared Harris. I'd have IMDb in front of me if I was at home, but I don't. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, he had he explained that whole thing because they were like, because they were like, oh, now that you've gotten, you know. you know, this whole like water tank thing taken care of and you got the miners out there. Oh, we're all done. Right. And he's like, no, now the the war is over and now the battle has begun or I'm sorry, the battle is over. And now the war has begun and we're going to have to go out and, you know, they had to kill all the animals. They had to forcefully evacuate the people. And so I understand why they had to do that fourth episode. But yeah, the fifth oh, episode, I feel like they didn't have to do it that way, but continue. <laughs> but yeah, the fifth episode was incredible. I mean, you know, it was it was really cool the way they, you know, you know, it was a lot of dramatic license, but you know, when you're, when you're seeing Sherbina is, uh, you know, already starting to have like health problems and, you know, during the trial, they have the dialogue where he's sitting out there and he's like, Oh yeah. You know, after this was all done, I went home. I, I thought I was fine, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, a year later I figured out I had cancer and now, you know, he's talking about how he just wasted a year and for his lifespan, you know, from his exposure, I mean, that was a lot of time that he's not going to get back. And, well, and, and that was what was rest. incredible about that scene was one, it showed their friendship when they're sitting on that bench. It showed how close they had become. And it also gave Jerry Harris a moment to tell him, 
Like, no, your life is not wasted at all. This is, it's incredible. He just like really reiterates, like, you're the hero of this movement. Without you, we wouldn't have been able to do anything. Because he understood the politics. And um, Jared Harrison, he's a scientist. He was like, I, I can't figure out, I couldn't have figured out how to get all the supplies we needed for all these different things. He's like, you made all that happen. It was a really sweet moment. I thought that was great. Yeah, I agree. I actually loved that because especially when you consider that at the very beginning, I thought that uh, Skarsgård's character was just going to be another, you know, officious bureaucrat right. who was just going to, you know, be a, a, an impediment to everything going on. And then it turned out that he was the exact opposite. And he, he really became a heroic figure because he was the one who not only knew how everything worked, but had the authority to do it. Certainly right. nobody else would have. And he was the one who made things happen. He was the one who managed to get a, a, moon, a, a lunar rover on, on top of <laughs> and contacted Germans to get the robot, even though other bureaucrats screwed that up. So he was he was in that amazing position. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that he is based on a real person, that that man, you know, made the difference, I think, between the disaster becoming a global one. Right. And the disaster just being as bad as it was, which was horrific enough. Yeah. Right. And I, I really enjoyed the way they, of course, you know, they, they say this didn't happen this way either. But, you know, they, they did the, the simplified, you know, red cards, blue cards to kind of explain, like, why the reactor exploded. Um, and they also, you know, made use of, of flashbacks and really showing how Dyatlov was um, just a real bully. Um, and, and even going back to the original meeting where they kind of showed at each point when a wrong decision was made and that if maybe the folks, you know, in the, in the first meeting, you know, made the right decision um, with regards to powering down the reactor and everything, you know, all of this could have been avoided too. I oh, just yeah. thought it was, it was just really well done. Yeah. Well, I think that the, the overall thing was that they were really kind of screwed from the beginning because the, even, even the, the bullying character, he thought that if everything else goes wrong, there's still that panic button. Where right. if we press that, everything will be okay. What yeah, but they know, know, he never should have put them in that position in the he, first oh, he place. Never, of course not. Of course, but, but, you know, everyone was just incompetent or they, they were operating on false information or they were just trying to promote themselves or right. bully others or whatever it was. They, you know, that's, that's, that was the situation because they, they were under this authoritarian regime which promoted this kind of psychology and this methodology of how you do anything. So even even if you leave alone the the bullying, when you get down to that panic button, that at least should have worked. But it didn't because other bureaucrats had made a decision to go cheaper and put graphite on the end of the rods, which would just accelerate the meltdown instead of stopping it. Right. So every every step of the way was was poisoned essentially that i think that was the thrust of the story was that this is what happens when you allow people to to put everything else ahead of what they're doing to put all their political considerations and their personal considerations their career considerations ahead of doing the job 
I'm not disagreeing. Like, that dude, yeah. as much as they tried to say it was the state who lied and all that other stuff, I still hate that guy a lot. Oh, I did. <laughs> One of the very first things, when in, in the opening scene, in the, in the very first episode, before Jared Harris hangs himself, he says, you know, he gives a list of names, and he's one of them, of, you know, people who were who were executed for what they did or jailed for what they did. And they and he says, you know, they were not alone, but they deserved everything they got. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and overall, uh, the entire series, it, it really gave me an appreciation for the heroism of all the people who really just stepped up and did what needed to be done to, you know, keep half of Western Europe from being uninhabitable. Um, and so it, it really kind of surprises me that the that the the Russians have responded in their way. There's a lot of controversy apparently on the news about this uh, this miniseries now, and how the Russians want to make their own. And the rumor is that they're going to blame the CIA for the meltdown. And you know, it's just really crazy. Right because there. it's that same psychology at work that the, the official word that the they can't do anything wrong. Right. That nothing bad could happen under what they're doing. So, yeah, it's the same psychology. It's they've it's like they've learned nothing, <laughs> which is awfully sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, they did learn that. Yeah. I'm giving the series overall two thumbs up, 100%. It was amazing. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Also, listen to the podcast because each episode there's a podcast that follows that really adds insight to it and adds value to the episode itself. So... Do that. Uh, moving on. Next up, we're going to talk about the season five. Yes, season five premiere of Fear the Walking Dead. And yes, I'm still watching it because it's very different than The Walking Dead. And I'm actually, I'm enjoying it. It's a different story. It's a different group of people, different writers, different part of the world. And so it's basically a different show. It, it is, except there's zombies. And one character did walk all the way from one show to the other show. <laughs> so and took all the quality with him apparently. Uh yes, apparently the quality of the show goes with Morgan. So <laughs> now I really did enjoy last season. I think the finale was not the greatest, but overall I really like I think last season was the best season of Fear. And what I really thought was great in the premiere is that they dropped us in the middle of the story. I'm actually, because once they did, showed a couple shots, and I realized that we skipped some time, I'm actually glad that they skipped that bit, which is they get to the to the jeans factory, and they set up all those cots and beds, and they set up all the system to bring in all these new people, and hoping and praying they could bring all these people in, but then nobody came, and they kept failing, and they felt bad for them, so thank God we didn't see that. So... <laughs> I like that this season just starts with a plane crashing. The crew that we like is in the plane. They get out. They're immediately attacked by by zombies. But what's great is they didn't land where they meant to land, obviously, because they crashed. And they're in a completely different area than they know anything about. And the kid, these they run into these kids, and the kids are like, you don't know where you've landed. You're, and they're like, well, what does it mean? They're like, you'll find out. I was like, why can't you just tell people information? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, we don't need to be, like, I feel like even though they're kids, the kids are like, oh, my God, you don't know where you've landed. I mean, they say it with such drama that when they're like, where? Where did we land? Like, the next 
sentence should be an answer to that question. It shouldn't be like, you'll find out. Like, the kids aren't trying to get them killed. The kids are genuinely concerned about them. So it's weird that they don't tell them. And I know the only reason they don't tell them is so that we can have a dramatic reveal of where the heck they've landed. Uh, I get it, but it is kind of like, come on, nobody talks like that. (laughs) But I do appreciate that we started off at 100 miles per hour. And then uh, the only thing I have a problem with is Maggie Grace. What is her character's name? forgot but Um, her idiot self goes out there in the dark in the rain yeah there you go uh and the predictable happens uh, yeah i was like this is the zombie even if it was not the zombie apocalypse if this was before the world ended there's no reason that a woman by herself would go out alone in the dark in the rain to go investigate (laughs) a murder scene like what (laughs) and and she tells she tells uh, Morgan that she wants to go do it, and he's like, we'll do it in the morning. And she's like, okay. And so for all he knows, they're going to go do it in the morning. But no, she goes out there by herself at night. And and to her credit, yes, the evidence would have been gone in the morning because somebody came to take the evidence. But she wouldn't have been taken with the evidence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on, man. And this was the big crossover nugget with the... Uh, Rick Grimes movie because the symbol that was on the helicopter that he got taken away in was the symbol that was on the uniform of the guy that got killed. So you're supposed to go, Ooh. Yeah. I didn't remember that. So I was, and I, they kept showing it and I kept thinking that must be important for a reason, but I can't figure out why. So thank you for that. It was on the side of the helicopter that took Rick Grimes. I was just wondering why he was wearing a Borg outfit. Yeah, that looks really weird. I was like, that doesn't look comfortable at all. Uh, but go, you guys, I've talked enough. What did you guys think of the episode? Um, well, I I liked it overall. Uh, I I thought that it was good the way they began with just you know all this action and everything, and then gradually filled you in. The only thing that that got to me, like you said, you know, people don't necessarily speak the way that real human beings would. And that becomes irksome after a while. And also, you have to suspend your disbelief when characters do something that is phenomenally stupid just so that the plot can move along. Like her going out in the middle of the night, but also like them spending months to set up this this site in this factory and get all of this stuff together and make sure it's running and all of that done. And then... To leave nobody behind to guard it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like it's, I knew that was going to happen. It's well, like, I didn't know that was going to happen, guy. but I wasn't. I wasn't like the guy comes up. But I have to say, I'm kind of on his side, where he's yeah, like, it was his property. What it was his do? property, and he was like, I didn't want to kill you guys. I didn't want to have a fight, so I drew you away so I could take my property back. And the end. And I was like, eh. Yeah. What do you, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's like you have to sort of shrug and go, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, and that was pretty much my wrong, reaction. You know? So I can't I can't even look at that dude as the bad guy because he yeah, made sure. I, actually, I, I was actually thinking, you know, if we were following him instead of them, we would totally think that was the smartest move. He yeah. made. Right. We'd be congratulating him for being clever and, and avoiding a war. Right. His thing was, I don't want a war. I'm not a bad guy. And I know you took this place without knowing it that it was my place. Like, I get that. 
and I didn't want to have a fight about it, so I drew you away. Uh, sorry, no hard feelings. You know, and I, was, I was like, yeah, all right. And I personally might have just been like, can I just get some of my gear and then I'll leave. Like, that would have been well, my he thing. He actually did. He, he put all their stuff. Oh, that's true. Gym. He put all their yes. stuff. Yeah, outside. outside. Yeah. Really? What are you going to do? I know. And I was I like. I can't get angry at this character. Exactly. And I was like, because somebody had asked me, I think it was, it was actually Peter had asked me, you know, what the difference was between Fear and The Walking Dead. He was like, do they have any villains like Negan? And I was like, no. And he was like, do they have any villains? I was like, and I thought about it. I was like. They've never had a villain because the real the original Walking Dead has had the governor, it's had Negan, it has the Whispers, it has larger than life villains. And the thing that Fear does is it just has regular people, you know, it just has regular people put in really bad situations, and some of them go a little bad, and some, but they never become megalomaniac, you know, megalo, you know what I'm trying to say, megalomaniacs. Thank you. Uh, so you never have anyone like that. And I think that this guy, like last year they had a storm was the bad guy. And, and this year they've got a guy who I'm totally like, Oh, he's kind of right. You know? And I'm like, I like that about this show. I like that. They don't, it doesn't try to get larger than life. So, well, they did have the woman who was killing people because she thought they'd be stronger that way. Well, she was was crazy. But yeah, what I right. liked is she didn't have a, like, the whispers, that woman's crazy, too, and she's got a thousand followers. Why? Yeah, no, she didn't have any followers. Yeah, so that's what I appreciate, that, that at least on Fear, they have a crazy woman, but no one's following her. You know what I mean? <laughs> and on the whispers, you have a crazy woman, and she's got thousands of people following her. I don't understand why all these people are following her, and she kills anybody who steps out of line. Why are you still following her? You know, so I like that on Fear, if they introduce a crazy person, they're crazy by themselves. You know what I mean? They don't have, they don't have legions that are for no inexplicable, like they don't explain why people are following this crazy person. You know, anyway, we can move on unless somebody else has another thought about Fear. I'm in for this season. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that, yeah, it was one of those things, uh, probably if there was more television on right now. I wouldn't I would honestly have to say that I wouldn't have actually started watching it. But uh, but yeah, I have to say that, I mean, this was a season premiere. They did a great job because they did make me interested enough in what's going on for me to watch again, which I think is what you should do in a premiere. Right. Um, So, I mean, just the fact that um, and, and I like the I like the struggle that they were having because. It's like Morgan seems to have taken the mindset of Alexandria and the Hilltop and um, and taken that with them because he's trying to set up some sort of home base, um, really kind of just like their mother Madison was trying to do, right? Set up a home base, but it's almost not good enough for them to have a home base. He's got to risk his life then to go out and find other people that he can pull into the home base. Right. Um, which... You know, I think the kids did a good job in kind of explaining that, you know, by doing that, you're just going to keep putting yourself in danger and eventually more and more people are going to get hurt and they're going to die. So if you really want to survive in the zombie apocalypse, why don't you find your safe haven and stay there? (laughs) Well, that's the thing is they say that they use that in Alexandria all the time. And the answer is always you should find more people. That's usually how it goes. But let's move on. Let's move on. 
Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Good Omens, which is on Amazon, and they dropped all six episodes, and it's starring David Tennant and Michael Sheehan. And yep. oh, and John Hamm, and John Hamm, yep. uh, and it's based on the novel by Terry Pritchett and uh, Neil Gaiman. Pratchett, Pratchett, Pratchett. Pratchett. yes, yep. exactly. Hey, I look at the cover of the book. I don't say his name all the time. Uh, so, but with uh, Neil Gaiman as executive producer, so and writer, yes, of all six episodes. Well, I kind of when I say executive producer, that's usually showrunner. It's usually what I mean that there are writers. But what did you guys... I'll let Tom talk because he hasn't talked yet. What did you think Loved of it. this series? Loved it. Devoured it. And <laughs> glad... And, and, and Gaiman basically has said, it took me years to adapt this book. There will not be a sequel. <laughs> there, will not be a, there will not be a season two. He and Terry Pratchett had actually started about... Uh, talking, had talked about working on a sequel before Pratchett died. And parts of that actually made it into this miniseries. But no, it's great, great production values, uh, great cat. I mean, come on, Sheen as the angel, as an angel, and <laughs> and Tennant as the devil. He's I not mean, the devil. He's, start, a, he's starting, just a demon. Starting, well, as a demon. Well, he's the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Right. But, but he's not the devil. Great. They do make the distinction. Oh no! Well, Lucifer does show it up, played by none other than Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> really? That was an actor pretending to be that. Oh, okay. Well, that was his voice. That's his oh. voice. Oh, I, I okay. I did not realize that. Yes. That uh, does not happen in the book, actually. Oh, it doesn't. No. The, the, there's a lot of rumbling, like he's going to appear, and then Adam kind of just goes, "Oh, I'm done with this." <laughs> <laughs> it never happens. I liked Adam a lot. I thought he was a very interesting character. I like the fact that because of the bumbling and these guys being idiots, that he never had influence of heaven or hell in his life. He just grew up a regular kid. And uh, I thought he was really interesting. I, I, I really did like the character. That was good. Yeah, well, that was one of the things in the book um, is that, the, you know, he was just he was so normal. He grew right. up without all these other influences. He was just sort of this, you know, little middle class British kid. And I, I actually, I didn't think that they portrayed the father as well as he is in the book. He's he's more sort of like the, the British version of Father Knows Best in the book. <laughs> um, you know, just all tweed sweaters and pipes and things like that. And so it's like everybody's favorite dad. And so you could see him just growing up with all this love and yet at the same time, you know, strict bedtimes and do your homework and that kind of thing. So he has he has these rules and values that he grows up with that just, you know, make him this kind and considerate person. I love the little romance with is it anathema? Anathema. Yeah. And 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 the last witch. Perci- not Percival. Per- per- is it what was his last name? Um, oh God! Now part, I can't remember. Part because of the P. Pulsifer. Pulsifer. Right. Pulsifer. And I have to say, at first, I didn't understand why we were dealing with witch finders. I was like, "What do witch finders have to do with this story at all?" But it, you know, it all came together in a really fun and interesting way. But I, let's let's get back to Tennant, who was at his playing the character at about a hundred, and it was as close to the Doctor that I've ever seen him do. Yeah, why was he doing an accent? What kind of accent? Well, he wasn't doing his normal... Well, you, you know, do not... realize he's Scottish. Yeah, but he didn't sound Scottish in this. 
No, he was just doing a standard BBC British yeah, accent. Yeah, standard British accent. Um, somebody, one of my friends said, oh, he does such a great Bill Nye imitation. And I'm like, really? What? Yeah. I didn't get that. I didn't, I didn't get, get that, that either. either. No. I, 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 it just I, felt like he was just, he was like himself. 10, he was basically <laughs> playing the doctor just a little crazier. Yeah. The doctor is an even. Yeah. Doctor, but just very slightly. Evil. Those eyes freaked me out. Let me. Just say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, especially because he spends so much of the time behind the dark glasses. Right. And the reason for that—that that was Pratchett kind of sticking it to Gaiman because Gaiman used to do that when he was younger. I, I, when he was at the panel for Good Omens last year, somebody asked him about that, and he's he dresses more normal, you know, more like a normal you know, regular everyday guy instead of, you know, a demon in disguise. <laughs> well, the, the the eyes, though, are directly from the book. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. To, he's supposed to have that. Well, we but I would those... imagine he puts the, they use the glasses a lot so you wouldn't have to keep putting contacts, contacts in. Uh, every scene. Seriously. Because that would get annoying. But I, you know, I have been, this is one of my favorite books and it's been one of my favorite books for a long time. And I, I've been dreading them making a, a, version of this they've been talking about doing a movie or whatever and a movie would have been terrible because they would have had to shorten it so much and cut out so much but um so i i really you know i kind of hesitated even though what i was seeing in advance sounded good and oh even though there are like little things that i think you know maybe weren't perfect overall i am tremendously pleased with with what they did it's like i almost breathed a sigh of relief after watching the first (laughs) (laughs) Try it. Yes. I think it's helpful that you have the one of the novelists who has experienced screenwriting mm-hmm. adapting his own work. Oh, and, that's very. And important. it's been long enough that he has perspective, and he he wanted to owe it to Pratchett's legacy to do a good job. Yes. Yes. So, and this will keep the book in print for quite some time. Oh, yes. Definitely. Yeah. Which Nicely is wonderful. done. And more people should read it. It's an absolutely brilliant book. Um, the 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 thing that I I thought was just great was how they they paced it so perfectly and they Mm. had they put in so much of it's like i I was watching the thing going oh yes that happens and that happens and i you know i was not aware that they had been talking about doing a sequel and that bits of it found its way in but i guess that must have been the the gabriel bits with john ham because gabriel is not a character in the book oh interesting he is not there's just there's they bring in metatron to do some of what he does Particularly at the very the very end on the airfield, um, that's supposed to be Metatron. But oh. early, earlier in the book, there's a lot less interaction between uh, Azirafel and the other angels, and I loved those interactions because I thought that really brought out more of his character and the psychology of what was going on, and uh, that that really made a lot more sense. I, I like that that addition. I thought was very very nice to the series. Nice. It kind of reminded anybody remember the um, oh the old Water Brothers cartoon where you got the dog and the wolf that oh. <laughs> like, Ralph and Sam I think they so they yeah. they're friends they're and then they clock friends. in and then they're tormenting each other and then they clock out because that's their job. It cut that, the friendship between Azarafel and I can't remember and the Crowley. Name, and Crowley or yeah Crowley. 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 <laughs> Crowley. It says Crowley and changed it to Crowley. Yes, I know. But, but I, I love that friendship. It was especially the episode that deals with the friendship through the ages. Oh, yeah, that was, that was really good. I think that was episode four. Yeah, I think yes. so. And it, it actually made me sad because they kind of had like this moment where they sort of broke up, 
And I was like, no! Uh, I, yeah, I really like them. They're, them being friends made me really happy. Does does the book use the misdirect at the end for of of them switching places? Uh oh yes yeah okay. the they they definitely do that and the whole thing with him being discorporated and and go- in fact that was actually one thing they did leave, leave out that I was very sad about because it's one of the funniest bits in the book when when Azarafel loses his body he there's this whole thing where he goes around the planet hopscotching to different bodies to try to find an appropriate host and it it's including into like a televangelist and and (laughs) the whole thing is just hysterical and i was i was like on my seat waiting for that and then they skipped directly to him going into madam tracy and i was just (laughs) all right well okay oh i was gonna say move on but go ahead you got one more thing the, the resolution at the end with Adam, is that from the book with Adam basically like, you're not my dad. <laughs> He's my dad. Well, you're just the, some guy. It's almost because the thing is that Satan never actually appears. Okay. The devil next, he, there's all this rumbling and everything that they see, everybody's falling around because he's about to appear. And then Adam is just like, I, I just don't have time for this. You know, ah. snaps his fingers and that's the end of it. And and the, the devil never appears. And I guess they decided that was anticlimactic. So they actually have him show up. But I thought it was interesting for the for the Antichrist child to basically tell the devil, yeah, you're a deadbeat dad. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of what he does only without him showing up. Also, they apparently in the series, he loses his powers and becomes just an ordinary child. And in the book, he does not. Oh, so mm. he just he just wants to live like an ordinary child, but he's still... That's like in the background. He's got that, but he doesn't want to use it. Interesting. All right, we need to move on. Uh, Two thumbs up. Yes, thumbs up. Well, Definitely, yeah. if you guys have time, give it a shot. It's really good. All right, next up, we're going to have Greg talk to us about Dead to Me on Netflix because apparently he crashed through it. So, Greg, why should we watch that show? Oh, uh, well, it was really funny. Um, I have to say when I watched episode one, I wasn't quite – completely pulled in uh, mainly because I, I kind of you know was watching them kind of create the story and then it seemed rather obvious at the end of episode one I was like oh okay I kind of get it okay you know this wouldn't happen but uh, no I just think that um, they just did a great job it was really funny um, and then you know the way they ended it um, and and of course I was like not sold on um, Christina Applegate either um, but I thought she did a, a fantastic job. Um, and the way they ended the story, um, was, um, I guess, I, I don't know. I guess I can go ahead and give stuff away. Right. Um, or, yeah, or, go ahead. or, okay. So I can spoil, um, if you would like to, but you remember the objective is to get us to watch it. So maybe not oh, spoil the end, but yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So basically the story is that, uh, that, you know, uh, Christina Applegate's character, her husband gets run over by uh, a car. And so she's in mourning and she's got to raise um, a couple of kids, one of which is a teenager and very, very surly. Um, and she's got to get through all of that. And so one of the suggestions is that she goes to like, uh, you know, uh, kind of like grief counseling. And while she's at grief counseling, she meets another woman who has recently lost her husband and then it turns out that that woman has been lying the entire time, has not lost her husband, and she is actually the one that 
killed Christina Applegate's husband. Whoa. And it, yeah. And so has kind of injected herself into Christina Applegate's life because she's really mournful and sorrowful for what she did. And so she's trying to make amends. And so this all plays out, um, you know, uh, over the, the episodes. And it's just uh, uh, really hilarious because you think um, that she's really the, the, the ultimate bad person uh, throughout the show. And then you're given some additional information toward the end of, you know, the season uh, that kind of shows that maybe she's not the bad person that was really responsible for um, Christine Applegate's husband's or uh, her character's husband's death. Mm. And so they kind of band together to get back at the guy who's really responsible. All right. So you're saying it is worth our time. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of funny bits of, of uh, lots of uh, comical bits, and I think uh, anyone who tunes in will really enjoy it. All right, it's it's Applegate and Linda Cardellini. Great. Uh, you know, yeah. I had you know I hadn't seen her in anything else, but um, um, yeah, Linda Cardellini. Okay. Yeah, Velma, Velma from Scooby Doo and Hawkeye's wife from the Avengers movies. All right. Well, uh, we'll see if. People take yeah, well. There's not that much on television, so people might take you up on that one. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of which, the next show I'm gonna talk about is the In Between, which is a show on NBC that I think it airs on Wednesdays. And the only reason I checked it out was for lack of television. And <laughs> it looks it does not have a very high production value. And the only thing that it has going for it is Paul Blackthorne, um, who is obsessed with hats in this show and it is the funniest thing to just watch him just keep putting hats on really funny and interesting ways and that was amusing me for the most part but the the pilot actually piqued my interest a little and let me tell you the show is basically about a psychic and paul blackthorne plays a cop Ooh, surprise um and he's he's a homicide detective and his daughter not his, but he adopted her. His adopted daughter is the psychic and she's moved out. She's living on her own, but she's got dead people that hang out at her house and she gets visions. And if she sees a vision of a murder, she'll call her dad and be like, Hey dad, there was a murder. And then he takes whatever information she has and sees how it fits into the murders he's investigating. Cause usually they're connected. And, um, uh, what's interesting, probably the most interesting thing about the show maybe is that Paul Blackthorne, uh, his he has a husband, and his husband is very concerned that he's using the daughter. She's he's like if she, he's like it's traumatic for her to talk to the ghost. If you stopped using her evidence, maybe the ghost would leave her alone. And he's like, I'd love to do that, but if she drops me, you know, like evidence that I helped me find a killer, I can't exactly ignore it. And so they got into an interesting argument about that. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. But she's not a very good actress. The woman playing the doctor, daughter, she's not very good. Uh, as evidenced by the second episode, I was ready to pluck my own eyes out. Uh, which you would get if you watched the show, because it's about a serial killer who plucks women's eyes out. Um, but yeah, yeah. I cannot, in good conscience, recommend this show to anybody. But, you know, have it on the background while you're doing other stuff. Sure. And he gets to use his own accent. He doesn't have to pretend to be an American. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, it is. It's a nice change. One uh, perk. But that's about it. 
I got nothing else for that show to give you. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Swamp Thing. And Tom has watched the first two episodes. I was going to watch an episode, and then I heard it was canceled. And I was like, bah. I lost You interest. need to watch this show okay, if you have Tom, DC Universe. Why it is should faith- we watch the show? It is a faithful adaptation of the Alan Moore saga of the Swamp Thing run from the 80s. Uh, the first episode gives you it introduces the characters. Um, Doctor Abigail Arcane has returned to her hometown to investigate this mysterious outbreak uh, of this disease, which uh, basically they figure out something. Somebody is is dumping uh, a plant accelerant into the swamp, and it is awakened supernatural foreign forces within the swamp. Uh, if you have plants, uh, you might look at them differently because they make plants scary in this thing. But Alec Holland is uh, the alter ego of our, of our titular hero. Uh, he is this renegade rebel kind of scientist who's also been conducting research for the Sunderland Co- Corporation. Will Patton is, uh, is Sunderland, and his wife is played by Virginia Madsen. She's awesome. It turns out that Abby was their was best friends with their daughter, and the daughter died tragically as a teen. And uh, Virginia Madsen blamed Abby for the daughter's death, so that's one of the reasons why she left town. But anyway, she and Alec Collins start to hit it off, um, and then at the end of the episode, he's investigating further in the swamp, and he gets all blowed up. Well, sorry, he gets shot and then blowed up, falls oh, into the swamp. The order is important. <laughs> he falls into the swamp. But we get the very first appearance of the swamp of swamp thing at the very end. And then um, episode two, we we go deeper. Madame Xanadu, who's another DC supernatural character, and also Daniel Cassidy, played by Ian Ziering of original 90210, who's another DC character named Blue Devil. Uh, Basically, he's a uh, a TV a movie star slash stuntman who has made a very bad deal with dark forces. But he runs he runs a whole, a video store slash head shop in this southern Louisiana town. But basically, Abby's trying to reconstruct what happened and investigate this disease. This very cute little girl who was afflicted in the first episode is evidently sensing. Swamp Thing's presence and saying things like he's afraid, he's changing and so she escapes from her hospital room. So Abby goes chasing after her with Matt Cable, uh, Sheriff's Deputy. Jennifer Beals, who looks amazing, oh my god, <laughs> is, the sher- is the sheriff and so she's warning her son about getting attached to this girl who didn't give him time in high school. So he- he's had this crush on Abby in the comics, they were initially an item before she paired up with Swamp. No, my, my, my most important question, is it truly scary, though? It's got some boo moments in it. I mean, the plants attacking are crazy. And um, basically, the little girl disappears. People go chasing after her. Bad stuff happens to the uh, fishing game warden who looks who's looking for her, which is one of the boo moments of the episode. And then uh, basically... Swamp Thing helps the little girl, and um, he calls upon his Swamp Vine friends to uh, literally dissemble the evil dude chasing after the kid. 
And the episode ended exactly where I wanted it to with Abby asking the little girl about the creature. It's like, did he speak to you? And the little girl says, yes. He said his name is Alec. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but there, this is, uh, I'm, I'm furious at the state of North Carolina evidently just completely botched. Uh, apparently, reportedly, they did not file the proper paperwork for their uh, re-incentive program for production. So instead of getting, you know, half their production budget back, you know, Warner's is on hook for the whole thing, which is why they reduced the episode order and canceled the show. But the the praises have been universal. The cast is great. Um, uh, why can't I think of her name? Crystal Reed, formerly of Teen Wolf, is plays Abby. She's like totally grown up. She's terrific. She's serious. Uh, Andy Bean, who was uh, who was on HBO Short Lived Here and Now, played Alec. And even though he is bi- he's big in episode one, but Verheiden has said in interviews that we will see more of him throughout the series. In episode two, we saw him in video, and just the supporting cast is great. One of the things I love is they they flip some of the characters who were supposed to be Anglo in the comics to African American because it's the freaking southern southeast US and it makes sense for you to have a lot of black characters around. And <laughs> I am zeroing as this this Holly washed up Hollywood guy is terrific. I mean, it's, a, it's a bit part but it becomes more important because you're gonna find out more about his past in the ten episodes. But I highly recommend it if you have DC Universe. Alright. Alright and if uh... I were if I were Warner Media, I would find a way to keep this show on because it's a shame to have all. Maybe this they'll add it to their streaming service. <laughs> well, I think I think DC Universe is going to get absorbed by their streaming service, but nobody asked me. But the, the market can't bear all these streaming services, and they're the no, last. No, it cannot. Up. All right, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about Black Mirror, and apparently Netflix put them up in different orders for people because for me, the first episode was strike. Striking Viper, Viper Strike. You know, you actually can choose which ones you want to watch when. Well, I mean, yes, technically it's an anthology, but you were like, you know, it was like if you hit play, it will play you that episode first. So I'm trying and to figure some out. Of us, <laughs> some of us wanted to watch episodes because of who was in them and what they were about. Ah. Fine. Tom, so, why don't we talk about the episode you saw first? What was the first one? You I watched? saw two and three, so why don't you talk about one first? 501 <laughs> just changing my order I'm not in charge at all alright so uh, strike is it striking viper viper strike is it viper strike striking viper whatever the one with Anthony Mackie whatever yes whatever it's based what's interesting is there's like a lot of controversy about this episode because people like I feel like don't get what it's about so it the premise is about just a video game that these two guys used to play all the time, and then it becomes a VR game. They they upgrade it to now it's VR, and in the VR game, these two dudes who've just been best friends for like fifteen years end up having a relationship because one of them is playing a woman in the game and one of them is playing a guy, and it ends up they end up having sex in the video game, and. There is, like, a question about their sexuality because they're like, wait, does that mean we're gay? And I was like, well, not really because one of you's playing a woman. <laughs> like, At least from my perspective, I didn't think it said that they were gay. 
And uh, it didn't even really occur to me. But what did occur to me was that they were absolutely cheating on the one dude's wife. I was like, yeah, you're cheating, dude. Because, yes, it it's, it's not real in its virtual reality. But then they started texting each other outside the game about I'm going to see you. And, and, you know, so I really felt like, yes, it's cheating. Uh, and I like that they actually acknowledge that, yes, it's cheating. Um, and then at the end, I also like that they had this moment where they met in person and they're like, okay, we're just going to kiss and find out what, what this is. <laughs> uh, Greg, what did you think? Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it started out kind of a harmless video game. Um, but then it was like when they started, you know, like telling each other their their innermost secrets and everything. I'm like, oh, that's a relationship. Uh, well, and also they would spend their day thinking about the other person all day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the, yeah. I guess the thing I didn't, um, well, I guess with this episode though, you know, I, you know, and, and probably we're going to see this with the other episodes too, is that I guess I was expecting more technology. Right. You know, this one so, was not, well, I mean the VR, I think it was supposed to question what's real and what's not and where your emotions are and how it affects it, how it affects you. And it basically kind of ruined their friendship for quite a while. Yeah. But, you know, it almost seems like it, and, and, and it almost seems like the Black Mirror keeps using, re, reusing the same props over and over again. It's like, well, you know, it's trying to show you they're in the same world. They're in the same Yeah, it's a, it's a connected reality. Right. Okay. Oh, so all of the storylines that Every, have occurred in Black Mirror yeah. are supposed to be um, in the same universe. Correct. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense then. Um, but, but here's the other thing. Um, yeah. So, so after, you know, they finally, you know, you know, get, you know, uh, Anthony Mackie's character gets arrested and the wife has to go, you know, bail him out. And then, you know, she's like, okay, you need to tell me what's going on because he's been distant for a while. It's like the one thing that I didn't get was that like early on in the episode, like he was just like, seemed like he just did was just going through life as a zombie, you know, right. they show him. He like, wasn't really park. enjoying his life. Correct. He's not enjoying his life. He's like, he's like, he's like drifting off, not paying attention. He's burning hamburgers on the grill, you know? And then all of a sudden, by the end of the story, his wife apparently lets him have this one night a month or one night a year. I couldn't really tell. It was, on, I think it's on his birthday. Oh, it's on his birthday where he can actually play this video game and have sex with his best friend in the virtual world. And he's like outside and happy and running with the kids. And it was like, really? So because you can do this like once a year, uh, your life is like somehow magical again. And, and oh, and by the way, you're having sex virtually and you're letting your wife have sex in real life. With <laughs> else. I was like, I don't think those line up very well at all. <laughs> Well, I mean, but the thing is, is that virtual reality was so real that it almost broke up their marriage. Like he was like, it was, it was pretty real for both of them. So like the other guy became like this drunk because of it, you know? So I know you're, I think that was kind of the question. You're kind of missing the point. The point is they were having a really hard time telling reality from not reality. So for him, the VR game was reality. So if he could have sex with, who he wanted in the virtual game, then his wife should be able to have sex who she wants to. You get what I'm saying? And, and I think that's the, the reason that there's controversy about this episode is because apparently a lot of gay communities were like, it gave you false expectations that those two guys were going to become lovers. But their whole point was neither one of them is actually gay because in the virtual reality, one's a woman, one's a guy. So it was like, it was weird. 
And I give you that it's weird, but it was kind of like, that wasn't kind of the point of the episode. Anyway, let's move on to the next episode. I personally like this one a lot. It was one of my favorites. Yeah, I really like the story. I just wanted more technology. <laughs> okay. Um, so you're really, you're really going to hate episode two then. Yeah, episode yeah. two. I actually didn't like episode two for that reason, because not only were, were, was there no tech at all, we were in 2018, which was last year, so we're technically in the past. And I was like, nope. Like, as soon as I realized that, I was I kind of almost checked out. And I will give you that the 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 acting was really good, but I've seen this story before. Texting and driving is bad. Thank you. Like, that, that didn't add any new value to anything. So I would say this was my least favorite of the group. Ironically, this had the highest rating IMDb rating of all three episodes, which is why I watched it second. Um, I thought it was interesting in dealing with the ramifications of our technology and not necessarily the texting and driving thing, but just the fact that the, the speech that Topher Grace gives at the end when he's giving his confession, even though the other guy was not having it, is that that we're, we're creating the technology to be all-consuming and addictive. And that people are, you know, indulging more in the technology than in their own lives. Right. Which I think is a macro theme for all of Black Mirror. I get so the that. episode was good. The episode was, it, it played kind of like a, a little bit more like a standard procedural. So it's, it's atypical for a Black Mirror episode, which is why some people might not like it. Um, I thought it was interesting, you know, as a media studies person... It was interesting, and the dude from Sherlock who plays Moriarty, Andrew something, yeah, that dude's amazing. Yeah, he did a really good job. He did and do Topher a good Grace was, I actually Topher, think the kid in the back, the intern in the back, did a great job too. He was good too, and also Topher Grace as the uh, as a doppelganger for Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I just he seemed to. Too. Nonchalant. Yeah, I didn't really Whiny. like. I didn't really like his character. Or do you his know much really about pro- Mark Zuckerberg? Well, or the before. I, uh, he didn't do anything for me. I think that the uh, the Sherlock guy was good. Like I bought his performance and what he was trying to do and how he was confused and it. His plan was not going to plan and he was freaking out about it and he was really emotionally disturbed. Like he did a great job with that performance, but I just that I was bored. I was like, how much time is left in this episode? Like, it didn't need to be an hour. It was it was too long. Oh, it was, it was over an hour. It was like an hour, 15 minutes or so. Yes, I felt every minute of it. It didn't need to be that long. Um, okay. So. Why don't we move on to episode five <laughs> uh, The Miley Cyrus one surprised me in that I'm not a big Miley Cyrus fan, but I really liked her in this episode. And I liked the idea of the doll and I liked all of the idea, like all of the tech ideas, and all the stuff that happened in this episode. It was full of the tech I wanted in the other episodes, <laughs> and it, they did a really good job. I thought they did a really good job with it. Um, I thought it was really interesting because of, you know, I'm I'm not a Miley Cyrus fan, Cyrus fan either, but for her to take a role in an episode that obviously is very meta and might peer into aspects of her own life, and the fact that she wanted to change, she didn't just want to change her image she did change her image doing that naughty video with uh with uh, dr Seaver's boy with robin okay. thick remember blurred lines oh my but um 
I liked the subversive sense of humor it had, especially once the doll has its restraints. Oh my god, uh, that was hilarious! And, and, and just basically becomes this potty mouth, you know, autom- or it's not even an animatronic. It's it's got an AI, right? And evidently, her brain imprints. Oh yeah, it was great. It was like having two of them in stereo. It was fantastic. And oh, I, yeah, as well, soon as that, as soon as it comes off and. They took off the limiter. It was it was really really good. Um, and I I also liked the um, the lead girl, the teenage girl. Which one? They were both. Te- I feel like they well, were the, both kind of the leads. The the one who played the obsessive fan uh-huh. and her older sister. Right. I like I like both of them quite a bit. Uh, the the one who's uh, the younger blonde one really reminds me of a young Anna Klumsky, circa my girl era. If you I remember the micro, I, I, yeah, movie. I don't know that reference at all. But she was Anna good. Klumsky, Anna Klumsky was one of the leads on Veep the whole run. But no, I, 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 I thought it was a, right. I thought it was a fun storyline. I was glad that the two girl, the, the siblings, were able to bond, especially after their mom's tragic death prior to the episode opening. But um, and the, evidently, the aunt, the evil aunt, got what was coming to her. Well, I, the thing that I thought was hilarious is they kind of set that up because. When the song, the first song they play, the Miley Cyrus song, is like such and such, and I hope you get what you deserve. And I was like, is that a happy song? Because I was listening to the yeah. lyrics, I was like, it doesn't seem like that's a good thing. I feel like that's a punishment. And every every time I heard it, I thought the same thing. And then when they played it towards the end, and they played it when the aunt got on stage, I was like, yep, she's going to get what she deserves. <laughs> <laughs> that, my dear, is what we call foreshadowing. <laughs> I thought it was. That was that's my thing. Is I was like, that doesn't feel like that's what they're where they're going. Um. Anyway, so I would definitely say this is a good season. It's kind of per Black Mirror where you get two good ones and then one mediocre one. That's about right for their ratio. <laughs> you're so calling I, the you're you're calling the middle and the mediocre one. Yes. Yes, I am calling again. It mediocre. Going by the IMDb ratings, that was the one that the users rated the most highly. I don't care about USB. It's USB? I am USB. I'm talking about my opinion. Because that's Alphabet the only two. one that matters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Greg, what did you think of this season? Oh, yeah. Again, you know, I go back to I kind of wanted more technology. I think they gave us like a futuristic sort of feel in the third episode. Um, right. but the first two I thought were kind of lacking and, and especially if you look at, you know, last season with what we got last season and, it was incredible. and uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and one of the episodes actually, you know, won an award, you know, um, <clears throat> but USS Callisto. Yeah. 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 But, uh, I did like, um, and, and I'm sorry, I, I, I really did like the second episode. Um, I thought the acting was really great and, um, to actually have that social commentary on, you know how you know you know we've we've gotten a we we have a society where you know um they even say like what the the teen pregnancy rate is going down because kids People don't are playing to, yeah they're yeah, they're on their apps talk to each other anymore they'll yeah. they'll sit right next to each other and send text messages to each other without actually talking right you know so well that's one way to get rid of the teen pregnancy rate i suppose <laughs> I guess so. Well, maybe they can get that game of the first uh, episode. <laughs> they, they can get the VR thing and do the thing. Yeah, and that's probably what's next, Jess. Uh, very much like Demolition Man, I think. Um, it was in that movie. 
All right, so we're still giving the season overall thumbs up, yes? Yes. Yes. All right, and to wrap that up, uh, if you have any questions or comments, send them to tvcampfire.gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and you can listen to us on getthepointradio.com, Krypton Radio, and Weedonopolis. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.